Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Human Nutrition Lifestyle Podcast. We've got Rob with us today. Rob, I worked with Rob. We did a reset program with Rob, and Rob went through it really, really well. Uh, hopefully, he can tell us his story today. Uh, welcome, Rob. Tell us who you are and a little bit about what you do. Hi, Matt. Um, Rob Pritchard. Um, I'm runner, marathon runner, triathlete, um, done Ironman, and uh, I work for myself, self-employed, um, well, graphic designer, but also managing director of a uh, agency. So, busy lifestyle. <laughs> what was the reason why we ended up working together then, Rob? Why did you get in contact? What was it that drew you in the first place? Uh, in the first place, it, it was uh, a couple of things. I wanted to get leaner and stronger for uh, triathlons and for running. And also, I suffer from uh, a stomach disease and always find it really difficult finding the right foods uh, to eat. Um, many people who have run with me and trained with me in the past will know that I've had to uh, stop uh, mid-run for issues with uh, with the stomach um, you know being sick and things like that and then carrying on and it was all it was all sort of down to to diet really um, even even um, eating health as I thought was healthy at the time still generated issues um, so I just thought um, I'd, I was reading your posts and your blogs and your podcasts and everything else so I thought no let's give this a try see what happens yeah, that's great. I'm pleased you did, and I'm pleased we picked up the baton and went with it. And uh, just so uh, anybody new's listening, what was your healthy nutrition that you coined it? What was where was you coming from? What was that on a day to day basis before we started working together? Oh, before we started, yeah. yeah. So I I cut out um, just what I classed as junk food. So uh, anything like you know the usual. I'm allowed to make name brand names if you want. <laughs> Yeah, you know, McDonald's, KFCs, those those types of things, cut all those out. Um, and uh, sort of cakes and chocolate and, and everything else, um, alcohol. Uh, so when I was training for um, the Ironman, the Lakesman, I didn't have any of those things and just ate what I thought was, was healthy, healthy food. So it would be, you know, I was still eating at that time, pasta, rice, bread, um, salads, fruit, um, but, but it included a lot of things that I don't have now, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's important to touch on that because loads of people think, oh, yeah, I eat healthy. And the amount of people that, especially I work with, who come to say, oh, well, I haven't got a bad diet. I do actually eat healthily. But then when we get down to it and when you look into it, you think, well, there's plenty of foods in there which I wouldn't term as healthy, but somebody on the street may do, as you did previously. And everybody knows the junk foods, like you mentioned, the chocolates and the cakes, and everybody knows them and knows that potentially they shouldn't be part of a healthy nutrition. But yeah. things people tend to overlook are things like breads, pastas, rice, you know, potatoes, all the starchy things as well, which can cause your body inflammation and problems. So when we started working together, I started to, to tell you this and maybe try to get those out of your nutrition a little bit. And you'd already done a little bit of intermittent fasting, hadn't you? It was already quite good at fasting when we started working together. So that wasn't something that was new to you. Had you, had you been, um, you know, integrated with that in, in the past? Yeah, I mean, I've um, unknowingly fasted, I suppose, um, just from busy lifestyle. So, you know, going to work early, um, forgetting to take uh, anything for breakfast or, or lunch, and then 
just not having anything until the evening. So by the time I'd, I'd done that, it would have been the previous evening that I'd last um, eaten something. So uh, inadvertently, I was I was used to fasting. And then when we introduced uh, doing it now and again throughout the plan, it, it that was I found that part easy. Um, so um, yeah, it was it was really good to work with you, Rob, because you already came into it sort of already a few weeks down the line because somebody who's coming into it from um let's take joe blogs off the street coming into it from five or six meals a day never giving the body a break it's much harder to implement intermittent fasting into your nutrition that way but you'd already done it and you mentioned as well that you was an athlete so your body was already aiming towards that metabolic flexibility that we eventually got you to so it was a bit more of a simpler process to introduce fasting and intermittent fasting into your plan um, but I don't want what I want to get across is I don't want people to think, right, what I have to do straight away is intermittent fasting. No, it's the reason not. why we have consultations and things trying to get to work out where you are and what you need to do. Potentially, yeah. fasting might not be the first part of call, but it was a, a great start for you. We managed to set up a nutrition plan and we managed to get your fasting straight away. But I want you to tell people about that first week that we started to work together, because in that first week, I remember there was quite a few messages going to and fro from me and you. Yeah. And, and, and the one thing that stood out when I, when I worked with you a lot was um, you kept saying about your lack of energy. And yeah. I think I kept trying to reassure you about this lack of energy would come back. But tell us a bit about how you feel and how that first week differed from what from your usual nutrition. Whereas to paint a picture is that I would probably be drinking at that point uh, seven or eight coffees a day at work with a sugar. Uh, so eight, eight sugars, uh, eight heap sugars. Um, I, I'm not, I haven't got a sweet tooth, but obviously that is a lot of sugar when you look back now. Um, and if you do that all week and then um, as soon as you just stop that overnight um, and you go into work the next day and suddenly it's, you know, a pint of water and a decaf coffee, black decaf coffee. It's like the energy just felt like it had zapped. I don't know if it was from the lack of sugar or coffee or, or whatever, but uh, or caffeine. And I know you introduced like the odd coffee each uh, some days and the odd tea. Um, but it I found that part really hard, and it was almost like a double sort of detox really because I came off caffeine, effectively ninety nine percent caffeine, and came off. Uh, any sugar whatsoever now I was um, and I suppose a lot of people do is you, you sort of when you're a little bit hungry you sort of grab one of these cereal bars or protein bars and you, and you think that they're, they're good for you and everything else and so I cut, obviously cut out all those and when you look back and look at the actual ingredients on those you can see you know there's a, a lot of grams of sugar I mean one of the ones I used to eat I went back and looked at and uh, it had equivalent of seven uh, teaspoons of sugar in it but that was marketed as a healthy uh, protein bar. Um, so if you add that seven sugars to the eight sugars in the coffee, there's a lot of sugar in one day. So that first week I hated you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, yeah, it was, it was tough. Um, uh, lack of energy. And I was trained, obviously training, or started training for London Marathon at that point. And you taught me not to exert myself. So I, I didn't, uh, kept it nice and steady nice and easy 
but I didn't. Yeah, I remember mistake. I was having to try and rein you back quite a lot because obviously yeah. with you changing your nutrition, which a lot of people don't actually realize, you change your nutrition, which is putting the stress on your body. You don't need to be putting any extra stress on your body by going through any vigorous exercise. So fine exercise, which I told you, fine, go out for a run, but you need to keep that intensity low, really, really low, even lower going. than low. <laughs> and I went and did Croxby. I don't know if people that aren't local listening to this book, Croxby is a uh, quite a hilly Tough sort of four point seven mile hill hill course, and um, I went and did that and got halfway around and ended up pretty much sitting down on the on the floor. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, and got back and messaged you straight away and said, "Why can't I do Croxby? I've done it tons of times. I can't do it." <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, let's just, just explain that. Let's just explain that process for anybody listening. What what Rob's explaining here is his previous healthy diet, in air quotes, the one that he thought, he really realized that it was being sugar-fueled with sugars in his coffees, with these protein bars and granola bars and little snacks here and there, which he didn't realize he was actually being sugar-fueled. So I knew Rob could cope in that first week if I hit him hard. And uh, some people I obviously take it a little bit gentler with, but with Rob being able to do all his intermittent fasting and things, then I knew if I could just take away all that sugar and take away all that caffeine off him, he could cope. And he did find it hard in the first week because you can imagine those coffees, those eight coffees was a bit of a roller coaster for Rob through the day of, of a sugar high and then a sugar low. And then when we stopped him and he went more level playing field, his body didn't really know where to get the energy from so that's where you feel energyless you feel drained because your body doesn't know where to pull it from and then if you're exerting as well by doing the exercise anybody's like hang on a minute i can't even go through the whole day without finding enough energy i'm not going to be able to run finding enough energy as well so i know you went through that process rob and and, and you went through the first week and the second week and you was like when's my energy coming back when's my energy coming back but tell us when your energy come back and and, and how it felt when it did um, yeah, I mean, it, it's not a negative thing. I just knew it was part of the process, but I, it didn't sink in until, because I'm one of those people that um, quite strong willpower and I just didn't believe you. I just thought, you know, I, that I'm going to have some energy. I'm just going and go do it to notice type thing. But um, obviously cutting all those things out um, of your body, um, it sort of drained me of energy, but that, you, you were 100% adamant that it would come back over time with the change in diet. And I was eating all the things that you you said to eat, I should eat. And um, the other thing to bear in mind at the start of the process was I was probably two stone heavier than what I am now um, when we started. So it, inadvertently, this this sort of cutting out those things, um, I lost, I started to lose weight as well, which um, wasn't the main reason for getting in touch with it. It was because I wanted to sort of sort out my, my diet. Um, but obviously, did say at the start I wanted to get leaner because I wanted to get better at running and so forth and um so I, th I think it was about the third the third week um when I started to get used to you know no sugar and and those types of things and I I went out for a run and all of a sudden I just had tons of energy I don't know where it came from it was almost like somebody had flicked a switch and, and I think sometimes you have those those runs but this was just bizarre it was just I remember how I felt the three weeks previous and then I just went on this run and it was just like so much energy and just had to run further and faster and I came back and the first thing I did was was message it wasn't it and say That's right. this sudden burst of, of energy but nothing's changed as in we've been following this plan I haven't introduced anything to give me energy it's just 
suddenly clicked and uh, it was just a weird weird feeling so that's your body's way of telling you that it's worked out how to get energy it's worked out how to tap into that energy star we kept plugging away in those first couple of weeks and i kept telling you like you said i kept telling you it'll come it'll come we just need to teach your body how to get to that energy and once your body has got to that energy then you can use it and you used yeah. it really really well and uh, you used it with all your runs and you felt really good and going on from that with your training how did your training did you manage to progress with your training yeah i uh short distance uh i got quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker than i've ever been and i've, I've been running what four years um and I, I was running with people that i've been running with for a long while and they noticed the difference uh won't name any names but there's a couple of people that i run with and they were just like oh you've changed you know you all of a sudden you you've got a lot quicker and a lot um more energy and a lot more sort of you know they they were thinking well what's going on here is you know is quicker you know and and i haven't done i hadn't done anything different with the training it was purely the the change in diet um that was giving me the extra burst and obviously in tandem with that was obviously weight loss so to losing weight getting leaner at the same time was also contributing to a, a, a better a better running the longer distance stuff took some uh, getting used to in terms of uh, i know I, I i got in touch with you a few times just to try and work out because sometimes if you're doing over 10 miles and i was doing 10 13 14 miles and that was the point where you you just needed something um and that's where i got in touch and we, we started talking about these uh sort of energy balls homemade energy balls and things like that which we'll talk about later i'm sure but i I relied on those for London Marathon um, and some 20 mile runs that I did uh, with a few of the guys. They were they were pumping uh, energy gels and, and things, which and they were like, "You've not got energy gel? No, no, nothing. Uh, I've literally got these homemade um, energy balls. That was your your uh, almond. I think it was almond and cacao, was it? And, uh, and cacao, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. they're really good because they just top up your stars because. Um, when you're running for a long distance, obviously you can appreciate that you are burning off um, fat as fuel, but you're also burning carbohydrates in the background known as glycogen, your glycogen stores in your muscles and in your liver. And when once you get to the point of where your glycogen stores drop far too low, then your body does start screaming to you, yes, I can burn the fat and I can keep going, but your body starts screaming to you saying, just give me a little bit of a top up. I just want a little bit of a top up or something. So those energy balls are great for that. Now they'll just give you a little bit of a top up and you calm your body down so that you can still push out and still put high intensity into your training and into your workouts, which, which you adapted to really, really quickly and really, really well. And it was nice to see when you're um, sending me messages saying you're just done a 20 mile run on a couple of energy balls and, you know, no gels, well, no, no bars, nothing. <laughs> say that, I suppose if I give you the whole picture, it was, um, so let's just roll back uh, six months. If I was doing uh, a long run, it would be get up in the morning, have, uh, toast or um, porridge with sugar, honey, syrup, whatever, um, and then go on a run. Take it. I mean, I can't have any, couldn't have energy gels anyway, so I'd take like uh, Cliff shots and same sort of thing, but obviously in a sweet and that type of thing, and jelly babies and all those sorts of things, and drinks with electrolyte drinks with sugar in and all that type of stuff. So that would be a typical run. Whereas if I gave you a typical run, twenty mile that you just talked about. I would get up in the morning. I would have the uh, almond 
um, almond flour and egg and cream cheese pancakes with natural honey on uh, an hour before I went and a pint of, a pint of water and a small uh, black espresso coffee. Um, and then an hour later, go out on a 20 mile run at about 15, 16 miles, starting to feel a little bit like the energy is depleting a little bit and just have um, one of the, one or two of those, um, pro, uh, the energy balls that we, we made. And uh, still it's a, a thing that I, I make and I, I do have now uh, in the freezer. I freeze them into individual packs in the freezer. So. Yeah, that's great. What, what an absolute change. What a difference. And and the and the thing that you say as well is not only have you progressed with your run, you managed to get further, but you got faster as well. So it can't be the fact that you're burning fat and you're just plodding along. It's the fact that you're burning fat and you're burning it efficiently. So you're able to push out those high intensity efforts when you need to as well. So um, going through from your training in, into the health, I don't know how much you want to talk about it, but how has your health increased during the whole process? Has, you, has your overall health got better? Your stomach issues that you mentioned? This, that's the biggest revelation, really. Um, people, people that know me would say, well, we'd go on a, especially when we're training for Ironman, we'd, we'd go on a 10-mile run on a Saturday morning and I would stop and, and be sick and then we'd carry on. Um, and that would be, and then I would have stomach pains or uh, that type of thing. So um, we used to call it a, a flare-up, I suppose, if you want to call it that, um, and then carry on. And it was a result of eating, probably now look back now, it's eating bread, oils, pizza, uh, processed foods, sugar, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I, we started, I started your plan, I think it was mid-February. Um, I've had one issue with my stomach since February. <laughs> it's not um, bad going, is it? That was because we live in, an, uh, I live in, we said a 95% um, lifestyle. So this particular day I'd been on a family uh, gathering and we'd had um, fish and chips. And the, the next day I went for a run and had the same issue and I knew exactly exactly what it was it was obviously the batter the, the oil the grease um and i knew um it, would, it was that 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 uh, caused it um but i don't have any of that now and um unless there's another family gathering coming up but um <laughs> no, I, I um i've not had any issues whatsoever i have no medication now whatsoever that's brilliant uh, that's absolutely brilliant rob i mean i always say about the 95 percent and the five percent you know of the lifestyle it is basically under the banner of lifestyle because everybody has those little dips in form you know those little times when they have family gatherings that they can't do anything about or more recently what's coming up christmas you know <laughs> things like that but but within that five percent like you say as well is if you find out that it's that five percent is causing you problems which you did then lower it even more and make it one percent you know make it Make it no percent if you can, you know, just chop out all those things that are causing you problems. What's what's the point in having a 95 percent proof lifestyle if you're still adding in those five percent and that five percent is causing you the problem? It's not yeah, that's not what it's about. It's about if you if you can get away with that five percent doesn't cause you a problem. It's a little bit of alcohol once a month or it's, you know, a birthday cake, something like that. And it doesn't cause you a problem. Yes, it's not optimal. It's not great. It's not good for your health. But 
that's lifestyle and that's what it's all about stop being social it's just you just choose what you want to eat and don't want to eat and you know my, my lad was 18 in july and he wanted me to have a piece of his birthday cake i, I had a piece of his birthday cake and i had a pint of beer it's just but it, it but then it's back to reset the next day you know it, it's just that's right. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you, at the end of the day, everybody lives in the world that we live in now and and more and more processed foods and alcohol and things are readily available. And like you said, being social tends to involve those things. So get involved, live your life, go for it, but just understand your overall nutrition. And if you can get 95% of that keyed in, cooking at home like you do, making sure that it's all nutrient-dense, protein-packed nutrition, then those other little snippets of lifestyle like i keep calling them they can sneak in and they won't cause your overall nutrition a problem it's not about being 100 perfect nobody can be 100 perfect it's about managing it so that yeah. you can come back tomorrow after you've had that day come back tomorrow and be strong again make sure you your nutrient uh, your nutrition is brilliant so i'm pleased i'm pleased that you've gone that way because i wanted to see how you've gone after i've obviously finished working with you i worked with you for four weeks and it was great four weeks I wanted to know, I wanted to dig into where is it, where has it gone since? Have you managed to keep it going? Have you managed to keep using the recipes that I give you and keep your lifestyle at that 95%? I have, yeah. I've um, kept it going, yeah, kept doing your recipes. But as you know, Matthew, I am an avid cook. Uh, so I've invented a lot of my own um, really good recipes and um it just life it's just so easy now it's just part of life it's not it's not something i think about people say oh you want to die on that diet still it's not a diet it's just so i make like last night i made um what i called a sizzling skillet so it's, it's a mexican chicken dish so um chicken uh fillets of chicken uh, sliced uh with spices uh, peppers, uh, tomatoes, um, and uh, I put that in the oven, uh, let that sizzle away, and then I put um, some cheese on the top of that, and then I cook some smoked bacon, uh, so chop them into little tiny pieces, sprinkle that on the top, dice spring onion on top of that, dish it up with a dollop of um, Greek Greek yogurt on the top. Ah, it sounds and brilliant. That you know how can that not be nice it's just a lovely mexican dish but and it feels like you're having something well i used to call naughty <laughs> yeah, right? yeah um, that, that, that but, is the thing when, when you start introducing these recipes to people like you was you was already liking some of the recipes that i was giving you but some people say oh i have not been eating meat for one or i've not been eating eggs or i've not been eating these greek yogurts full fat things because i thought that was bad but really when yeah. you get down to it they're the things that have the nutrients in them that that help you yeah one thing i'll never forget was your comment about the potato starch <laughs> and uh, it's one thing i've spotted a lot um and one of the one of the ones that i always tell people is that if I buy, go to Tesco and I buy a block of mature cheddar cheese, you turn it around and it says on the back, ingredients, milk. If I then step to the left of, my, of the shelf and there's the ones that are, it's the mature cheddar cheese that's sliced or the mature cheddar cheese that's grated, it says 70% milk, 30% potato starch. And obviously the potato starch is used to keep it fresh because it's been grated or sliced. 
So I'll just buy a block and grate it and slice it yourself. That's <laughs> you it. That's right. Yeah. Added crappy potato starch that's in it. So. That's it. Yeah. Every step in, in the processing step, every step um, helps to de take all the nutrients out of the food, basically. So each step that the food is processed within the shops takes more nutrition out of it. So if you can buy it in its original form, like you say, if you can buy it as it is, just butter or just milk or just cheese, how it is, then it's far yeah. more nutritious for you. As soon as they start messing about with it and grating it or slicing it for you, then unless it is somehow kept at 100% milk, which very rarely is, you need to find particular cheeses for that. Edam can do it in slices and they keep it they keep it nice and fresh in vacuum packs. But generally grated is the one, isn't it? Grated, as soon as they grate it, to keep it from congealing altogether, they have to yeah. add the potato starch in there. And, yeah. and, and it is a lot. Like you say, it's not just a little bit of potato starch. Some of them have up to 30% of potato starch. And, you know, then you're not you're really eating cheese, are you? You're not proper cheese. Why are we buying, and why are we buying the sliced and the grated anyway? It's just to be lazy, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, that's it. And it, it's the same with... I think I was talking to you about meats as well. Once that's the same with all of the meats, you know, the sliced meats, yeah. um, the beef and the ham. As soon as it's sliced in a packet, they add all dextrose and maltodextrin and all sorts of things to it just to, to keep it, try and keep it fresh. My and butcher loves me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's well, it. I Shop spend, at your butcher. Yeah, I spend more at the butchers than I do and the fishmongers than I do um, in Tesco. So, you know, which is the way it should be. You know, I'll buy a a pork shoulder for instance and uh take the skin off make my own pork scratchings with the skin and then put the shoulder in the slow cooker and do some full pork you know and you've got two you've got a meal and then you've got a snack to watch the telly with later you know win-win so yeah brilliant well yeah. you need to send me over some of your recipes with the sound of it and they sound really good i don't know if that's because maybe i haven't had my tea yet today but <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I mean, going on, going on with, with with your lifestyle as well. Have you managed to introduce your family with it at all? Um, they're not quite on board. <laughs> so, there's too many influences, I think, and um, yeah, they're not quite on board. They're, I mean, teenagers, so they're you know they're still finding their way. And but um, they they have no choice because I do all the cooking, so they have no choice. But um, ah, great. <laughs> the only difference would be is like. I'll go back to the sizzling skillet thing. They they like to have some potato wedges with it, um, you know. So, but I suppose they're on a. I would say they're on a 80 percent because they're, um, you know, they've got the potato wedges with it. But other than and then, you know maybe a, a garlic dip or something like that. So, but otherwise, yeah, they're they're eating the same as me because they have no choice. The, the thing about it is they're having nice home cooked food. So, <laughs> you know, they're yeah. they're already on a win situation there, aren't they? Anyway. So. Instead of, all, the, instead of all takeaways. The outside influences of college and school and yeah. things of, of uh, fast food, and which, you know, it's going to take a lot more uh, influencing to get them off that. So. Yeah. Uh, so what, where are your goals now then, Rob? What, what are you aiming for now, now that you've uh, sort of kind of got your nutrition pretty much nailed in there? Like you said there, which I'm pleased you said, it's not a diet. It's a lifestyle now. It's just the way you eat. It's just... You know, you don't think about it. You don't have to go out there, count any calories, count any carbohydrates. Count, you don't have to count anything. It's just the way you eat. You've got your shopping all done. You go to the supermarket, you go to the butchers, you go where to the fishmongers and you buy it. And that is your lifestyle. So what kind of goals do you want to come from this lifestyle now? Well, I can tell you, I say, look, go back to the health thing again, just because it's quite, it's probably important. Um, 
going forward. Um, I used to have between six month and yearly um, gastronoscopy. So that's the camera down the throat with biopsy um, to check on my uh, stomach disease. And I was on um, two lots of tablets um, and had high blood pressure as a result of of those issues as well and probably diet and everything else. So um, I went for um, a checkup, uh, the usual gastroscopy a couple of months ago, two months ago, I think it was. Uh, and they did, they did everything. So they did weight, uh, blood pressure. Um, they did the biopsy uh, and the camera. And they said that the uh, it's not spread. It's stayed as it was. Um, the blood pressure was normal instead of high. Um, and I no longer needed uh, medication. Brilliant. Um, and they didn't want to see me for another three years. Three years? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that must have come as something amazing to you, really. Yes. Yeah, so they said, you've obviously got your lifestyle on, on track because nothing's happening with it. It's not getting any worse. Um, so, and um, your blood pressure's... Um, perfect um and then obviously they couldn't believe the difference in the weight so i think when i first before i started anything running i was 17 17 stone originally um and now we're just over 12 so um they'd obviously seen that sort of i listened to them about sort of getting fit fit was the original original thing which is why i got into triathlon which is how i met you and and so forth but then obviously taking that one stage further was was getting the nutrition right and I, I originally came to you for the reasons why we said at the start of the podcast but um obviously it's been better than I ever envisaged because I don't have to have the horrible camera down the throat for another three years so um and so the goal is to keep doing what I'm doing so that in three years when I do have it there's been no change again yeah and no then- change for the work yeah, and then, and then they say we don't want to see you for another ten years or something. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not going to get better, but the, the whole idea, the whole goal was to prevent it getting worse. Yeah. Um, and I suppose if I'd carried on eating, drinking, uh, drinking alcohol, doing whatever, not exercising, and everything else, it, it would have got worse and worse. So, uh, so where would have been? Just out of curiosity and just to uh, um, let everybody know, perhaps, uh, did they ever ask about what you'd done to be able to manage it so well? Um, I just said, yeah, I mean, you know, doctors and nurses don't have time for for complete sort of chit chat, if you like, but they they asked what I'd done and I said, you know, it improves my uh, lifestyle. I'd changed my diet and um, how, how I got fit. And they said, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And that Brilliant. was the advice. So, Brilliant. I mean, at, at least that's, that's something, you know, everybody can take away from this is, you know, you don't always have to have the one goal. You know, you could just have one particular goal, such as weight loss, or you want to have performance gains, or potentially you do want to be healthier. But there's so many more benefits to it as well. You know, you could go out there and just say, right, I want to eat healthier, I want to have better nutrition for my health. And then what comes with it could be performance or vice versa. You could go out there and say, I just want to be better. I want to be a better runner. I want to be better at weight loss. I want to be able to manage my weight better. And then health comes along with that too. So it's amazing. It just seems to tick all the boxes. It can't be real. It's too good. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that's it. And like you say, it was hard at the start, but but um, well worth. I'm pleased I stuck with it and didn't give up because um, week one, end of week one, I felt like giving up. So um, I'm pleased you convinced me to to carry it on because, uh, yeah, I mean, it ticks all the boxes, doesn't it? I was, I, I run a, I run better, I exercise better, and I feel better, and I've lost weight, and my um, stomach disease under control. So. So we're um, in per performance uh, gains then and going back into the triathlon. Where do you see yourself maybe in a year's time? Is there any big goals that you're aiming towards now with that performance-wise? Um, yeah, more marathons, more triathlons, more Ironman. So I'm hoping to sort of take what we've learned um, or what you've taught me and take that into those events. I mean, I, obviously, I, I trialled it at London Marathon. Went very well. Unfortunately, my had a muscle issue which was not related to, to anything other than um, just one of those things um, but up to 20 from not to 20 miles um, I was running that marathon quicker than I've ever run in my life so um, you know prior to that when I did Manchester marathon I was running like 10 and a half minute miles and I was doing from up to 20 miles doing um, 8.45s um and ended up having the our homemade energy balls i took four of them i ended up having uh two one at about 16 miles one at about 22 miles and then uh at 25 i think everyone starts to flag for that last mile um so i had, I had one at, at 25 but um nutrition wise um and energy wise it, it was it was amazing um I just wish that the muscles had, had worked properly, but that's nothing related to, to what we've been doing. Have you got a, a, maybe a plan set for another marathon then soon? Or? Well, I've, ent I've entered it again, yeah. If it, if, the London if, one again, yeah? Yeah, if I don't get in, then there's, there's backup plans. There's, you know, there's, there's Manchester and, and so forth. But, um, and then uh, a few triathlons. So, yeah, we'll yeah. See, how, see how it works with the... Obviously, I've been training, uh, swimming and cycling and stuff. But um, yeah, um, hopefully that's going to improve as well. Yeah, I think a good thing for you looking forward, Rob, would be to play around with your um, nutrition during your training as well and, pl and play around with like race nutrition in a way. So when you're doing your high intensity bursts and your high intensity uh, like sessions once a week or twice a week or whenever you do them leading up to your race, it's a good idea to play around with it, you know, take maybe four or five energy balls or, or introduce a banana or something like that. And, and just yeah. to see how your body reacts, just to see how you feel with it. I mean, it may not, may be no good for you and you may think, oh no, I've taken on way too much there or, or maybe play around with different kind of electrolytes and things like that. And I think now that you've got your own solid foundations of your day-to-day -day nutrition, perfectly fine you now know how you feel and how you should feel on a daily basis. Like you mentioned earlier with having your fish and chips, you know that it makes you um, infl inflame up, you know that it gives you the stomach problems. So introduce different things now into your high intensity sessions to, to even get that extra little 0.1% out of yourself. You know, it, it really, really will help if you can add in just a, a, a even a, a timed energy ball at a point where your body's starting to before you get to let's say let's say you're doing a marathon and you get to like 13 miles and you start to think well oh, i could do with some energy now 
you may already be on top of that if you train really really well and and you in your high intensity workouts and you think well i know how i'm going to feel at 13 so what i'll do is i'll have one at eight yeah i think i learned a lot from from that london marathon anyway in terms of I did take um, salt because obviously, like you say, you lack, um, you need to top salt up because you've not got the sugar and stuff. So, uh, but um, I think on hindsight, what I'll probably do next time and what I have been doing is I can't remember the name of it, but you recommended an electrolyte drink, um, which I've got. And I um, been drinking that before running now. Uh, so like an hour before I have, have some of that. Um, and I think, um, if I do in long distance or when I do long distance in the future, I'll probably um, take on board a bit more of that before the race rather than having so much salt during, uh, because unfortunately having that much salt during the race um, made you thirsty, obviously. And then you end up uh, having to drink more than you anticipated uh, at the marathon, which I don't, I'm not one of these people that drinks a lot anyway. I can manage, I can manage a race without a drink, you know, and, you know, I think I stopped at four or five drink stations at London just be pure thirst because of the salt. So I think next time I'll, I'll, I'll sort of work on the electrolytes a bit more prior. Yeah, yeah, just like like say it's something to play around with. It, it it will really help you to make sure that you have plenty beforehand, you know, up to an hour beforehand. If you top up all those electrolyte stores beforehand, then you'll find you'll need less through the race and, and you won't be trying to ram the salt in and give you all that uh, taste so that it makes you feel uh, or, you know it makes you thirsty through the race so even the day before i'll probably drink electrolyte drinks yeah, the day before, yeah definitely yeah, uh, yeah. The, to get the body uh, fully charged with electrolytes really but um yeah that, that was the only change i would make and that's you only learn that by by doing don't you so. that's right and everybody's different everybody um sweats at different rates so you some people will need a, a lot more beforehand some people won't maybe won't need so much beforehand and they'll just have a little bit during the race but some people will need a lot beforehand and maybe quite a bit during the race as well and especially the first half of the race just to ensure that you know you've got plenty at the end so it's just about playing around with it and seeing where you fit in that spectrum you know you, you when you've had some right at the start when you've topped up right at the start you may feel you might need none through the race you might feel okay you know but then you might feel that hang on a minute when i get to a certain point start to feel a bit low if i have salts there that perks me up i'm fine so you just need to play around with that you know that dial a little bit there um, but yeah. one thing i wanted to, to ask you today was actually being a, an athlete and doing long distances endurances did you find yourself beforehand before we started working together doing a the well-known phrase of carb loading and yes. and how has that changed now um, yeah, I mean, we've all done it, um, I suppose, in the past. And, and people that don't sort of eat like us, they, they would, I would have had, um, I don't know, before, uh, Leeds would be a good example, Olympic triathlon Leeds, I had a massive pepperoni pizza um, the, the night before, uh, which uh, was a double-edged sword because on the morning of the race you had the energy um but halfway through i suffered with stomach issues <laughs> and um and then obviously uh very very quickly lose lose that energy um it's not sustainable uh the energy is not sustainable you have to find a top up somewhere which i guess mo why you see lots of people sort of stuffing down gels and things so 
um, and kids handing out jelly babies and things like that, uh, races and people taking handfuls of jelly babies and things like that is just great needing the sugar um well i think that's i think that's quite important to say rob because people who aren't metabolically flexible and people who aren't fat adapted like like ourselves are now then it is quite important for them to make sure they do take on that sugar it sounds daft to say but if they don't take on that sugar they're just going to crash they're going to crash and burn and that's this is why it's it's um, got a lot of people saying, no, you need you need these gels, you need these jelly babies, you need all the sugar to get through a race. Because yes, you do, if all you burn is sugar. That's what you are going to need through the race. Yeah. But we need to be able to, to get it through to people that you've got to teach your own body how to be metabolically flexible, how to be able to burn all kinds of different fuels so that you don't need and you shouldn't want to just burn sugar during a race. So hopefully yeah. now you don't carb load and you do something different. Yeah, that's it. No, no night before I, I just eat what I, what I always eat, just protein, meat, whatever. So like uh, before, before London, you'll probably love, I had a, a mixed grill, but without the, without any chips or anything like that. So it was, gammon steak egg steak sausages uh and peas <laughs> and tomato you know it was a effectively a mixed grill um without the uh, potatoes and things so it wasn't no carbon up really um apart from peas maybe they've got a bit of carbs and i don't know but um yeah the rest was just i suppose salt and electrolytes and that's um, the thing. And you still add the energy. You still add that energy to be able to perform. And it's, a lot of that would come down to training as well, because you'd be doing a lot of distance training, a lot of endurance training, a lot of running leading up to London Marathon. And then in the last week, a lot of people just uh, dacker off, come down yeah. on your training, call it, um, you know, whatever, whatever you want to call it. You have an easy week, don't you? Tapering. So, yeah, tapering, tapering, if you want to call it tapering. Just have an easy week before I'm. And what that does, in effect, is it helps your body to build up its own glycogen stores. So your body's already carb loading for itself. So you don't yeah. need to extra carb load on top of it like that. So I'm really pleased that you've managed to build your lifestyle and, and build your performances around your nutrition. And I hope you carry on to do so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, nothing will change now. So it's, it's just a lifestyle now. So. And, and seeing as though you're a, a decent chef and you cook at home a lot, tell us about the um, things that you cook in. Like, are you cooking animal fats or do you cook in oils or what do you cook in? Uh, it depends what it is, uh, what I'm cooking. I don't use any oils uh, as such. I use uh, coconut oil if, if it does need oil. I've got uh, really good non-stick pans and things. So I don't, um, if I can get away with not using any oil, and I don't. Um, sometimes a bit of butter if I'm cooking steak. Um but otherwise, I don't use oils at all. I have found that the oil, the I made one fatal error um, when we were doing the reset, which was I, because you said obviously chicken, chicken was fine. So the family had a, uh, a takeout. Uh, I won't mention the name of it, but it was a, a a grilled, it was grilled chicken with salad. What can go wrong um, from a takeaway? Grilled chicken and salad. Um, I was not very well the next day. I felt rough, really rough. And I think I ended up messaging you and telling you where it was I got it from and what it was. I said, how can that affect me when 
I feel like I've gone backwards because it was grilled chicken and salad. Um, turns out that the the chicken was uh, coated in uh, oil, in vegetable oil, um, and then before it was put on the griddle. So it, it was the oil that that played me up. So um, I don't have any oil whatsoever. So the things I cut out um, are all the things that we spoke about, which was um, any oil, processed oils, processed foods, and breads. Uh, I have sourdough now and again. I quite like sourdough now and again. So some cheese on toast. You know, it's one of my one of my treats is cheese on toast, but it's sourdough, um, which is just the ones with the proper sourdough. There are some fake sourdoughs, um, which uh, I've spotted, which you you um, pointed me in the right direction to. The um, one of the major supermarkets promotes a sourdough, and you turn it over, and it's not. Yeah, that's uh, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, so there are some good ones: uh, fermented flour and water and salt. Um, I have that with uh, a real good cheese on. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. I'm so pleased. I'm just sat here smiling because like everything I've taught you and everything I've told you, you've, you've really taken on board and now you're even reiterating it back to me and, and it's great. <laughs> it's great to hear. So uh, I'm, I'm pleased you've gone that way and it's brilliant that you've been able to come on the podcast and tell everybody your story. I'm sure there'll be loads of people out there now listening to your story thinking, great, if Rob can do it, I can do it. So if, so if there's one thing that you want to say then to everybody listening now, one tip, it could be a tip or it could be a recipe or it could be just something you want to say to people that you could prob probably say to yourself in that first week. Remember back to that first week where you was and if there was one thing you could have said to yourself back then, what would it be? What would your tip be? Um, I would just say trust the process. Yeah, trust the process. Um, to get all those things out of your system took that four weeks but once once it does and and you're you're eating good nutritious food so um meats dairy fruit veg um what can go wrong i mean it's just i've just got so much more energy than than i ever used to have um you know and it helps with your work and you know it helps, just helps with everything it's it, it's um I just won't change it. So. Brilliant. Thank you very much for today, Rob. That's been great. So thanks for having me. Well, that was great to chat and to catch up with Rob. I'm pleased he now sees his nutrient-dense way of eating, a lifestyle nutrition, and he has managed to gain all kind of positives from it. Not just better athletic performance or a leaner body, but probably the most important of all, he's managed to regain his health. And as we explained in the podcast, not by doing anything too drastic, just by changing your nutrition and eating the foods that we are meant to eat as human beings. Now, some of you may have noticed the different schedule now to the podcast. I was previously trying to publish out weekly episodes, but as I have now become busier, I'm tending to put more focus into coaching and helping people than I am the podcast. Whilst I really like doing the podcast, it's going to have to be more of an ad hoc kind of thing now. I do enjoy doing them and I enjoy bringing you the latest science and the, all the real world experiences. So I'll continue and I'll try and continue to get some great guests for you to listen to. This may just be not a weekly thing now, probably more of an as and when kind of thing. I really do value your time and thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope it can help you and, and help you on your journey. But 
Remember, for more help, if you need to, be in touch. We can either set you up a reset program like we did with Rob, or let's just have an initial chat, see where to go from here. Or you can check out all the social medias we have. There's plenty of great information on there. On Facebook, we have a Facebook group, Human Nutrition and Lifestyle. Come and join in. Uh, we're at Human Nutrition Lifestyle on Instagram and Human Nutri Life on Twitter. But you can also visit the website. We've got some recipes on there. The website's www.humannutritionlifestyle.com. Until next time, be happy, be strong, and thrive. <laughs>